0: Okay, so I just read for you from what some have called the good book, but I also have another book I'd like to bring to your attention here this morning. It's a classic that I think I've read, honestly, over a hundred times in my lifetime. And the book I have in mind, of course, is the famous Michael Rosen masterpiece, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. This children's book that I, yes, have read hundreds of times is about a family with young children that sets off on an adventure one day to capture a bear. And as they journey out for their bear hunt, the book repeats the same refrain, we're going on a bear hunt, we're going to catch a big one, what a beautiful day, we're not scared. And then, again and again throughout the book, the family encounters obstacle after obstacle. Oh, no, they say, a snowstorm, a whirling, hurling snowstorm, and then, and this is the key phrase, then the family says, we can't go over it, we can't go under it, oh, no, we've got to go through it. And then the family, bravery, trudges through the snowstorm, or through the mud pit, or into the gloomy cave, or into the dark forest, or through the tall grass. I am convinced that this book is such a masterpiece because of the way the family faces down each obstacle they encounter on their bear hunt. Whether it's snow or mud or forests or grass or caves, each time the family agrees that they can't go over it, they can't go under it, oh no, no, they are going through it. As I read our gospel passage in prep for this morning, I was reminded of this children's book, because this is exactly how Jesus responds when the Pharisees tell him that Herod is coming out to get him. The Pharisees come to Jesus and they tell him, Hey, Jesus, you better get out of here because Herod is going to kill you. And Jesus basically says, No, I'm not going around it. I'm not going under it. I'm not going to run away from this. I'm going through it. You tell Herod that I'm going straight to Jerusalem to complete my work, whether that fox likes it or not. The Bible is written in such a way that we don't often get a sense of the emotional state of the different characters. There aren't a lot of adverbs in the Bible, but this passage is so peculiar because it really gives us a picture of what Jesus is feeling at that time. Jesus' words about Herod and Jerusalem seem filled with confidence and courage. He understands that his mission and relationship with God is secure, and so he can face the future. He can face Jerusalem and Herod and whatever may come in the weeks ahead because this is what he's been called to do and because the power of God is so much stronger than whatever power Herod might have in store. And then immediately after this display of bravery and confidence, you can see in this passage that something within Jesus shifts. As Jesus thinks about going to Jerusalem to complete his work. He suddenly filled with great sadness for the city. Jesus is suddenly lamenting over Jerusalem. After being so bold about that fox Herod, Jesus now shifts into a moment of great vulnerability and lament. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus says, the city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together? as a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. In one moment, we hear this confident, bordering on arrogant Jesus talking about how he's not afraid of Herod at all. And then in the next breath, Jesus is sharing his pain over the state of the city of Jerusalem. And then Jesus' emotions shift again to this caring and compassionate stance. As Jesus thinks about Jerusalem, he longs to be a mother hen protecting and caring for all the lost souls in that city. It's only five verses from Luke's Gospel, and yet in this small passage, we see so much emotion from Jesus. We see confidence and lament and compassion. Jesus shares all of this in just a short snippet of time. And this passage, I think, then, is such a good reminder to us that Jesus was human, too. Yes, Jesus was God in human form and we focus a lot on that God part, but it's important to stop and recognize the times in Scripture when Jesus portrays his truly human experience. He is emotional in this passage. And I think oftentimes, if we're honest, we believe that our faith doesn't have any place for emotions. We tend to understand faith about being getting everything just right. As good Lutherans, we love to theologically conclude exactly what might be going on in the passage. There are rules that we're supposed to follow, and we're all expected to be good people. And yeah, that's all kind of true, but the problem is that sometimes we can become so focused on doing everything right that we fail to be truly human at the same time. We fail to truly be ourselves, messy emotions and all. We're afraid to admit. That sometimes we have feelings that some might label as negative. We start to think that good Christians don't have doubts or sadness or anger or fear. But the truth is that all of these emotions are a part of our life. All of these emotions are part of the life that God has given to us. Most of these emotions are also ones that Jesus himself experienced during his earthly journey. And so yeah, maybe all these emotions are messy, but maybe they're also meant to be shared with the God who created them. You may have noticed, and I hope you noticed because I pointed it out at the beginning of the service, that your bulletin today includes a whole bunch of references to the Psalms. That's intentional. Because so much of our life of worship is from the scriptures and the psalms themselves. These different hymns and prayers and readings express a wide variety of emotions. And if you were to read through all 150 psalms that are included in your Bible, I bet you would be shocked by all the honest, messy emotions that you would find there. But I'm pretty sure that that's the point. The Psalms capture so many of the different stances of the human heart and they therefore invite us to bring whatever emotion we're carrying back to God. The Psalms invite us to realize that even people of faith will feel helpless and sad and angry at times. And if I'm being honest, that's exactly what I'm feeling this morning. I feel helpless and sad and angry and confused. The stories that are coming out of Ukraine break my heart over and over again, and I don't really know how to respond to any of it. How does this all end? How many innocent people will be lost? What am I supposed to do about these tragedies taking place half a world away? I don't have answers for any of this. But what I do have are the words of the Psalms that invite me to pray phrases like, How long, O Lord, how long? Or, Out of the depths I cry to you, O God, hear my voice. Or, Why, Lord, do you stand so far off? And there's something healing about simply bringing this despair that I'm feeling into my life of prayer with God. In fact, I think that sharing honestly of our deep emotions deepens our relationship with God. Right now, frankly, praying honestly to God for healing in Ukraine and allowing ourselves to be honest with God about all the ways that the tragedies of this world are breaking our heart, this might be the very best thing that we can do at the moment. Because what the world needs right now is more people who are courageous enough to admit that they don't have all the answers. The world needs more people willing to be vulnerable enough to say that they're feeling scared or hurt or inferior. The world needs more people with the humility to allow God to walk with them through the hardest parts of their life. It's been wisely said that hurt people hurt people, that those who are hurting most are usually the ones who take their pain out on someone else. And so how much violence, how much pain could be prevented if the people who were hurting most just found a way to share their pain in an honest way with someone else? God wants to be that someone else for us because God knows what happens when people try to avoid their pain. I'll close with this story that my wife reminded me of yesterday. Um, It's a little lighthearted, and maybe that's what we need right now, but in the same sense, I think it gets at exactly what we're talking about. Back in January, my two oldest children stayed up late with me and watched the Buffalo Bills lose their playoff game to the Kansas City Chiefs. And as many of you know, it's been well-documented that the Bills are my team, and they have been my team since I was a little kid, and I have passed this fandom down to my children. And so we were all absolutely devastated when the Bills lost that game. And afterwards, there were tears, and there were anger, and there was frustration. And most of it was from my kids. Some of it was from me, too, You see, because my kids were still learning that these types of devastating losses are rather common for Buffalo Bills fans. <laughs> But my wife and I had been through it many times before, and so we did our best at that moment to be a strong presence for our grieving children. We told them, I know what this feels like, and so I'm here with you as you struggle through it, but know that I love you and that you're going to get through this. On a much bigger, much more important scale, I believe that this is also what God does for us. We can come to God with our deep emotional pain, and the God who became human for our sake hears us and, like a mother hen, comforts us. God says to us, I know what that feels like, and so I'm here with you as you struggle through it all. But above all else, know that I love you, and we're going to get through this together. Amen.